Hello and welcome to the podcast, The Low Seaters, and uh, I'm joined by Connor Hello. and Harry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell was that? You okay, mate? It's Monday. All right. <laughs> <laughs> what was that noise? Mm. <laughs> Sorry, audio listeners. All right. Okay, well, um, today we'll be talking about the least social contract. Uh, conservatism is when you buy babies and balmy Britain, which... Um, it's going to be fun, but maybe it not won't. Maybe not for anyone listening, because I don't know if it's just me, but there's no audio on the Rumble stream, but there is on the Odyssey stream. So I uh, don't know what to do about that, lads, but uh, eh. anyway, I'm going to... Hopefully we'll get that sorted for you all. Well, they can't hear us. We, we, could, <laughs> we could say whatever we want and get away with it. Well, no, it'll still be recorded, so they would come back. Whatever we want. Okay, whatever. Get away with it. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> Conversations we have outside of this uh, camera it, it, it could, could get us locked up. But anyway, we shall uh, begin with um, le contract social, the, the biggest thing that holds us all together, the social contract, boys, all the right. thing we all believe in. So we are here and we work with the state because the state provides us protection and in return, we fund Khalid. Now, I might be a little bit philosophically illiterate here, but as far as I know, Britain isn't a social contract nation. Well, it is now, boys. Right, okay. It's just been laid over the top. Got it. We have a duty to Khalid, our new god. Is in the DJ? No, no. Just <laughs> Well, if he wants to join, he can join the... the... Callum, I think you're being rather exclusionary here. It's not just Khalid. It's grandma and granddad as they go on their expensive cruise. As Indeed. he would say, another one. Uh, uh, Walid as well. Uh, Omar. Al-Baghdadi can also come. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can see here, of course, that uh, this guy put out this funny tweet, and I liked it. Adding a new branch to Le Contract Social, where the English taxpayer subsidise Scotland, who then hand it immediately to Africans. And this is the news coming out of the Scottish government that they've additionally put aside, because we're swimming in money. Another £2 million to be going towards marginalised communities. And we literally don't define them. Mm. Great. You want to... Is this alongside the minimum income guarantee that they're going to be implementing at some point where they'll take even more of our money so that they can hand 24 grand a year automatically to randos in Scotland for doing nothing? Well, we shall see, because this is not the only thing, of course. I'm going to lay out the contract social, and we can, we can all decide how much this is totally worth it. This is just the beginning point, the, the drop in the bucket there. And uh, if you wonder where those millions are going, well, we literally have, because he does link them, to give directly is who he's giving our cash to. Uh, and they sent money to people in poverty, no strings attached, Bangladesh, the Democratic Republic of Congo, Kenya, Liberia, Malawi, Mozambique, Morocco, Nigeria, Rwanda, Uganda, and the United States of America. <laughs> <laughs> that other the, African the nation. Impo- <laughs> the impoverished world of the US. <laughs> just, yeah, Mozambique, Baltimore, <laughs> yeah. Birmingham, Alabama. Yeah, they've got a free side and then an actual free side as well, which is um, just amazing news. It's, it's great to see that uh, another two million of English taxpayers' money should be going to the Scots to give to, well, so, um, so literally the, the DJ, baby. I don't know. <laughs> so for those unaware, is, is it, it's true that a lot of English taxpayer money goes straight to Scotland to support their welfare system, correct? Part of the Barnet formula, yes. Yes, part of the Barnet formula. So they're taking that money and then immediately giving it to this organization. Yes. Then so, it can Khalid. Be, so, it, so it can be sent to disadvantaged Look. youths in Southside Chicago. Le contract social means that you have to go to work today to pay for Khalid. That's all the I'm amount saying. of architecture so that students that are going to come from this. God. 
<laughs> we also have um, Omar, who also has come to Le Contract Social. He has learned that it works perfectly. All of it just works, as you can see here. Omar here is enjoying the social contract that we have with him, which is that he turned up here illegally. So we not only pay for that lovely hotel room there, look, it's even got a kettle and a light. And uh, he gets the money, as you can see there. And they state here uh, that he works on the black market. Rather racist, it's just a market for them. <laughs> I don't know why you had to do that, Isabel. Bit mean. Calm down. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> anyway, no, but you can see here, this is his TikTok, where he boasts about being able to exploit the British system, because why would you not? At least he's culturally assimilated. I mean, he clearly shops alongside the rest of the Dinos that are ready for Love Island. I mean, that's probably true. And what, what is he doing now? He's I don't know. Basking, <laughs> bathing in it. In his 10 and 20 pound notes there. Yeah. He's not even got great rhythm, really, has He's he? cash conducting. Uh, the, <laughs> what is I would Look, love if he could buy himself some front teeth while he's at it. I think that man was having some kind of psychotic, hallucinary episode right there. Uh, I'm not going to play because the, the music is just awful. He, he also does like the Dinos, have awful taste in music. But this is him in But you, as you can see. <laughs> Never <thought> Thanks. <laughs> but this is him, as you can see, celebrating because, well, not only has he got a grand and a bit there, which he's, he's happy to boast about, which of course is enough to buy a flight to Morocco, in case you're wondering. We, we could send him to... Or, 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 Zazati. Or Zazati. Or is, uh, is, uh, Agade. Uh, Agade. Fez. Marek. Marrakesh. Marrakesh. Marek. Uh, Rabat. Well, send it to Rabat. There we are. Right. As proud Brits, it's it's not only our pleasure, but our duty to mispronounce foreign places. Go on, try that one. Uge. <laughs> anyway, funny names aside for foreign lands, which, uh, you know, brings joy to me, if nothing else. Uno flight to Uja, less. Bro, you can't make fun of foreign words. Well, look, I just paid for that guy to steal my money. So uh, I feel entitled to, to do a bit of yeah. uh, fashion of Johnny Foreigner. But the, the story in all of this is put in the mail on Sunday here, which is he is a migrant delivery driver. And because he's claiming asylum in the UK, of course, the deal is... That we'll pay for your board, we'll pay for your, your food, we'll pay for your Wi-Fi, we'll pay for free haircuts. I think we also get free phones, etc. And we'll, we'll give you free dental as well, actually. I forgot about that. Oh, I have free healthcare in Some, general. Something else fun, let's not forget, 73% of Somalis in London, social housing. Somebody... Well, we're not even on to them yet. We're oh, just talking about the asylum, guys. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. But we'll pay for all that. And in return, you wait until we figure out if you're legit. And then uh, if you are legit, you can go get a job. And of course, who cares about the rules? That's stupid. So they just break the law and end up going and working and therefore, of course, pushing down British mm. workers' wages. But I was told I was told the idea that they came over and were, were delivery drivers within a day was just a conspiracy theory. Yeah, and then the Guardian were reporting on all of the illegal delivery drivers that they'd been going along with when they were doing a big report of theirs, but it's a conspiracy ah. theory. Also, I know, I know you're, you're not exactly talking about it. Did you see the other day that somebody... Was, bra was bragging about how actually in London it's still mostly British people in social housing. And he released the public data set for how much people are paying who are on social housing. Do you know how much they're paying for a house in, or flat or wherever in Kensington that would normally cost you over two grand a month? 500 in bloody Kensington. I want to um, remove the home office physically. Anyway, but the, the story in this case being that this chap here, as you can see, is quite the extraordinaire. He's actually quite the gentleman. 
because um, the the He's male a man of culture. <laughs> yeah, the male went and interviewed him, and it turns out he's an exotic traveler from a far off land. That has to be the thumbnail. I'm sorry. <laughs> Just hey boys. <laughs> Um, he says he works in takeaways and building sites, earning sixty pounds a day. So, of course, undercutting British labour there, mm. which uh, he does because, well, literally, I get all of my things paid for, and then I just get money on top. He's got no outgoings, yeah, so zero. As as a, as a proportion of his earnings, it's all disposable, and it's also tax free. Uh, he added that half the migrants in his hotel are all working illegally, saying plenty of them work in food delivery. He then says that he left. I his can't wife. believe he would spread such dangerous conspiracy theories like this. <laughs> Another white nationalist. He's, he's obviously been watching <laughs> Alex Jones. I, I do love the idea. This is the face of white nationalism right here. But this uh, this guy, he he left his wife behind in Sudan because uh, he just I don't know hates her. Nice fella. Hmm. Yeah. I then went to Libya where they're selling black people as slaves because he thought that would be a better life. Not, so, wait, not which, sure. <laughs> which end? Which end of the transaction was he on? Uh, he was on the getting out of there scene. So maybe he was doing a bit of slavery, I don't know. Right, so he was in the Hillary Clinton exchange program. Yep, and uh, he boarded a migrant boat to Malta, in which he would then claim, as- claim asylum in Malta, I presume, or be moved to, I don't know, Germany, because the Germans just love that. He-, he said after working there illegally for three years, he then flew to Milan from Malta on an pa- uh, Italian passport. Because he is an Italian. Why did an international man of mystery? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he is an Italian man, just like you and me, which is why he brought that passport on the black market. I think this man <laughs> might have a zip on the back of his neck. He's wearing a disguise. This is a super spy. <laughs> it's not real. He's like this Slovene. isn't a real man. He's not a. He's he's a super spy working for MI6. Clearly, well, after arriving in Italy, he was uh, so enamored by the culture he immediately left, <laughs> and <laughs> he went to Paris. On a train. That's where a lot of them end up, so... That's a bad mistake in general. Uh, He posts these photos on Instagram, such as this one here, as you can see, of him by the Eiffel Tower, having a jolly good time. Right, so average asylum seeker going on holiday all throughout Europe with a phone. So it wasn't in trouble. Mm -hmm. Left to a country that made him in trouble, Libya. And then left to... uh, Sorry, to... Got the country now, Malta. Malta, yeah. He wasn't in trouble. Then went to Italy, where he wasn't in trouble. Then went to Paris, where he wasn't in trouble. And then immediately became asylum seeker again. Ah, and he crossed the channel into England, of course. It was truly terrible. Uh, he went from Calais, where he smaller the, boarded a small boat with a bunch of Kurds. Okay. Also, going for people. Wait, what, 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 trouble. Was, was the danger that he was escaping from Paris the rat infestation of uh, the city? Or was it the bed bugs? It was the bed bugs. <sighs> the boogs were coming. It was the overflowing yeah. public urinals facing the river. Yeah. Paris really is just dirty. Just sincerely. Anyway, but he says uh, channel migrants like him are actually living in, of course, tax fair taxpayer-funded hotels, but they're earning £1,500 per month working legally, which, of course, is um, well not only illegal, it's, it's really good business because you don't pay taxes, so you get to keep that money. But then remember, you have zero outgoings, you have zero rent to pay, zero heating bills to pay, zero Wi-Fi bills to pay, zero phone bills. Uh, you don't even have to pay for your damn haircuts. Never mind dental, that's free as well. So dude's are actually doing better than most people. We're a joke of a country for facilitating this. Like the, the domestic population who have nowhere else to go and now just tax cattle for international tourists. Like there's, no, there's nothing I can say that isn't just rage at the fact that this person is here. Why are you in my country? I, I will say, remember to cook your own meals and don't order Deliveroo yes. or Just Eat or any of those because they are employing illegal migrants uh, such as this fine chappy to deliver it for you. So you're actively incentivizing it if you're ordering from them. Sincerely, I do actually boycott them just because... Even before I found out that it was all illegals, obviously taking the piss out of the country, the bigger problem for me was just, you remember the old delivery boy who would drive a car or go on a moped, and now they all have to go on bikes in the cold? 
just in general, I kind of hate it, which obviously the reality of that. That's right. Callum's a humanitarian. <laughs> but workers' rights, you know. But the point here, that obviously the reason workers' rights were eroded to the point that delivery boy can just be some guy on a bike is because, well, these guys have no standards. They've literally got nothing else to do. And um, well, get tax repayments. But anyway, that's the contract social for Omar. We go on to more of the social contracts. We see here Somalis who have come to tell us about why they take up so much of the uh, government housing stock in the UK. And answer the question why so many of them who are claiming asylum then go back yes. to Somalia. I'm glad I was looking for the answer. Let's, let's check it out. You guys, I don't go in also a big 10. Like, they in our business. I don't like that. Why do Somalis claim asylum in the UK then return to Somalia on holiday? Mm-mm, they asking too many questions. I'm not feeling that. You guys, I don't go in. What? You're asking too many questions. But was that English? Yes. Why was she speaking in a strange, malformed American accent? Oh, she's from London. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> it makes so much more sense now. It's a terrible shame, I know. But um, literally, yes, we do claim asylum in your country, this lady here is saying, and then go on holiday back to the place we are And this fleeing is from, from an Instagram account called Somali Stories. Yes. The thing is... They all know they're taking the piss out of us. That's the thing. It really is a white people problem. And when I say that, I mean the white English leftists who are sitting there telling you that everyone in the world is literally fleeing, I don't know, getting their balls cut off or something. Uh, no, no, they, they literally know the West is a joke. and We'll just give them free money. Well, the the, the, the caption there for audio listeners is asking too many questions that don't concern them. Laughing face. I mean, it does. Yes. It concerns me because it's my money, you parasites. And my community that you're destroying. No, no, no. Boys, boys. This is the least social contract. This is what you, this is what you buy into. I don't remember signing right. a damn thing. Carl, Carl's... Ex- explicitly do. Carl's got a copy in the other room. I need to thumb through it because I don't remember <laughs> this part that Rousseau laid out. But then again, it's quite a dense text. So. People from Bamalia to get free houses. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> he was such a forward thinker. Yeah. Uh, well, it moves on. The social contract. Because of course, we have this, which has now been deleted from Newham Police. Because it's, it's too funny. Um, this is New and Police decided to put out some more information about the social contract, which is that they have delivered their faith officer, PC Faruqi, and he is explaining to students at Azhar Academy what a hate crime is and what they're doing to tackle racially and religiously motivated offenses. Right. This is the audience. Oh my God. Audience, a oh, hate crime. Remember, girls, a hate crime is anything that you find offensive and we will arrest white people for you, is what I imagine this this went down. Well, it's nice of the police to visit the local ninja school. I can't wait for them to stop arresting Christians for praying silently in their head. I'm sure that's going to happen someday soon. I don't think we need to say much about this, do we? No. The faith officer, Mr. Faruqi, is explaining in front of a bunch of um, letterboxes how he's oppressing <laughs> This really is. It shouldn't be here. I just want to hammer it home. You it know, should not be here. Contract social. You know that that um, what's it called? That uh, that stone toss meme of him leaning back and going, ah, Paris. As all of the uh, <laughs> as the entire Islamic world is around him. Yeah, that's this. I mean, uh, you know, maybe it's a bad photo. Maybe maybe that was just you know the seg- segregated part. No, those those. Oh, oh. Uh, there's the full photo. Must oh. have been a chilly day. There's the teacher oh. over there. Oh, oh wow. Obviously, barely visible. We just shouldn't have religious satellite states in the country where it doesn't belong. I, I, I suppose that makes me far right. We just... need Azar Academy. I did actually check out their website, and you can yourselves if you want to check out more about Azar Academy in uh, Neon. And uh, I didn't have time to chop it up, but I was listening to the, their YouTube channel because the Academy has a YouTube channel. 
And what it consists of is a guy, presumably the imam, ranting about whatever he feels like. And I was listening to a bit of it. They're all like an hour long where he sits in front of the whole school, presumably ranting. And uh, he's literally ranting what about he... Israel-Palestine and talking about how the Jews need to pay for their crimes. And it's just like, London things. Just London things. I love the social contract. I, I love that I apparently agreed to this somehow. Did you see that one of the Palestine protest organizer groups was being addressed by an imam? And it was like an outtake from Four Lions of where he was saying that some of the people you're marching with are men who take it in the behind from other men. You're locking hands with Kafar. Is, is, <laughs> is that halal? You're also intermixing with women. Is that halal? It doesn't matter about the, the, the role of the protests. Is Allah going to look down from his throne and condone this? And it's like, I'm so glad this is a conversation that's happening in my country. Do you know what I think? People, they would be able to... A, a, a mark of assimilation. Had these people actually assimilated, they could still get up and rant, but what would they be ranting about? I'm, I'm, I'm imagining it, and I'm just imagining... Right, <laughs> I'm imagining him getting up and going, 50p for Fredo! Absolutely <laughs> ridiculous! Back in day, yeah. there used to be 10p! Country yeah. going to dogs! I was like, that's just preach, brother. It's just saying good things. But no, instead he's just like, man, foreign land, foreign land! I'm like, I don't care. But this, of course, is an old meme, as you can see from Drudka. He's made this in the past. This is the British social contract, which is that Nick uh, goes to work. His money then goes to Karim. Karim then sends it via the Western Union. Or in this case, we actually have um, Hamza Yusuf instead of Karim, who sends it via Western Union to... Well, no, no. So Hamza Yusuf is still giving it to Karim. He's just <laughs> like, we've missed him out as the middleman. Yeah, but instead, not only does he send it to these various African nations, he then also sends it to the United States, another impoverished nation. And then uh, all the other side stuff, of course, right move being sent off to Lyndon and si uh, Simon, uh, and Linda. Simon and Linda to P&O Cruises, et cetera, et cetera. The thing is really true. And that's, uh, well, we could also just check out League Social Contract Tourism Edition, shall we? Because, of course, because we've all agreed, we all signed on the dotted line somewhere. I'm sure. Um, when we go on holiday, I think now, it's when you when you come out of the womb. Yeah, they hand you a little pen. They write in the blood paper. for your umbilical cord. <clears throat> yeah. Well, when Nick here is sick of giving all of his money to Kareem and Simon and Linda and uh, UK Aid, well, they might have saved up enough to go on holiday. He might want to visit Paris, just like that chap from earlier, that man of mystery. Uh, maybe <laughs> Nick feels like he should be the man of mystery for once. Well, uh, don't do it. Because as you can see here, a, a German tourist knife to death in front of his wife in Paris by an Iranian Islamist who also stabbed a Brit in the eye while screaming Allahu Akbar. Was this the, uh, the attack the other day? Yes. Great. Um, which um, has nothing to do with anything. Complete, complete social economic factors, I, I am sure. There we are, after Nick's been stabbed, he might go home and think maybe the social contract thing's a, a bit of a piss take, frankly. I mean, of all the, the problems we have, of course, there are economic uh, reforms. Sure, there are some social reforms that are needed in the UK, everything else. But the, the fundamental viewpoint of people, which is, what if we just steal money from the population and give it to foreigners because I'm too lazy to call it out? And that is really the conspiracy that, that has a gridlock over our country. That needs to die. And um, well, there is a way forward, seemingly, from, of all people, the French. They've come to tell us that the social contract is bollocks. It is something we should not follow anymore, boys. As you can see here from Le Monde, and then I'm going to stop doing the crap accent. We have um, them reporting the news, which is that the French don't care about the contract social. They've come here to tell us that France carries out an expulsion by overriding the European Court of Human Rights decision for the first time ever. They literally heard the European Court of Human Rights say, 
Ah, oh, come on now. This man is, he's, he's, I don't know, they're French as well. Uh, he's, he's a poor man. You must give him all your money. And the French government went, eh, I don't care. Literally, who are you? Some foreign body that's not part of the government. Don't give a toss. And deported him. We've learned that we can just say no. Yeah. To the ECHR. I, I do love this when this happens. Like with San Francisco, when she was visiting, all of a sudden, you could fix everything, it turned out. And then now, for example, the French have decided after that attack yesterday, um, European Court of Human Rights, the United Nations, international law, what are these things? We made them up. So we could just make them away as well. If they're made by man, we can just get rid of them by man. Because they're, they're literally not relevant. It's literally just a bunch of weirdos in the past decided that, hey, we should, uh, we should put ourselves in straitjackets as a country. So we have to give everything to Kareem. And then people in the future who have to give their money to Kareem can just go no. Well, here's the story. The European Court of Human Rights has prohibited the expulsion of a Uzbek due to the risk of torture he would face if he returned to his beloved country of Uzbekistan. Uh, but the government, the French government, uh, just ignored everything the European Court of Human Rights said and deported him immediately under suspicion of Islamist radicalization. Right, so I'm suddenly pro-torture that he's going to face when he goes to Uzbekistan then. Yeah, so are the French government. Yeah, good. They were like, oh, torture, go, enjoy. <laughs> well, it makes a change from them just deporting them all to England. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, France. You could just send them back. <laughs> so on, the, on November the 14th, the Internal Security Ministry, um, they decided to expel the 39-year-old Uzbek, Mr. A. He doesn't have a name. Another international man of mystery. <laughs> yeah. Even though the decision from the European Court of Human Rights was to prohibit the French government from doing so, and then the French government realized that the European Court of Human Rights is a bunch of weird people who took law as, as their degree, and that's all they've got. They don't have any guns. They don't have any knives. They don't even have a law on their side. They're literally just some guys. They finally, they <laughs> finally realized the three-year-old's mode of inquiry of just going, why? I, why? The door, is un- the door is unlocked. Socratic autism. I could leave. Yes. Anyway, France has already been condemned twice in 2018 for having expelled foreigners in a few hours. <sighs> God, what a dream. Uh, without allowing them to take the matter to court. That is kind of funny. <laughs> I'll be honest. It's <laughs> almost like if you have intruders in your own home, you can just kick them out without having to take them to court first. Ah, uh, but le contract social, you must give this man 30,000 euros to defend himself in your own court. Make me. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm just, just going to put him on a plane, mate. Man um, was born free, but everywhere, Africans are battery farmed. Yeah. But this is uh, the first time that France has carried out an expulsion in complete disregard of a court decision prohibiting it. Well, that court is not a real one. It's fake. I mean, what did Dominic Cummings call it? The, the Court of Pedos or something? The other day? I don't know if he called it yeah, that. He called it the Court of Pedo Rights. <laughs> I think he did, yeah. yeah he did. did he really? Yeah, yeah, he did. Well, That's not our opinion. That's Dominic Cummings' opinion. Yeah, he thinks that, that for some reason they defend pedos. So back to the Uzbek. Anyway, the Uzbek was being defended by them. And uh, he was put on a plane back to Tashkent, uh, which apparently, according to his lawyer, upon arrival, he was immediately arrested by Tashkent. And um, then they took him, shaved him, <laughs> placed him in a detention uh, facility, which is an eight-square-meter cell with 21 fellow prisoners inside that cell with him, where he is later to be judged. Um, because the Uzbek government agree with the French government that, um, yeah, terrorist scum. We, we don't care about the contract social with Uzbekistan. What are you going to do? Well, nothing. And um, the cherry on top of all this is in France, Mr. A, they say, had not committed any crime. Except breaking into the country illegally, mm. obviously. 
But there we are. That is uh, actually how you solve the problem of the contract social, which is you don't give all your money to Karim. Instead, you literally just stop being weak, like the French ministry here, and literally just say, um, no, you're nicked, and then deport. Revolutionary. Amazing. Truly amazing. Just nick the mouse. Indeed. We ration them over at Lotus Caesars. Yeah. You think we are made of mouses? Anyway. If you'd like to send your mouses to our PO box. Well, there's literally, I'll tell people what the problem is in case people do. There's no point. We literally have like four inputs here so that we can't put any more mouses in. So, so please don't actually send us some mouses. No, I'm stockpiling them, Callum. I take it back, actually. I do need a new mouse. This will make a fine addition to my collection. <laughs> Opening a coat. <laughs> I was doing the Grievous thing. I, oh, okay. My reference is lost on you. I'm heartbroken. Same thing. He opens up this coat and then the, the lights. He doesn't have a coat. Well, he's got a cloak. Yeah, true. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. But there we, go. we shall move on. Right. Well, speaking of made up human rights, the entire conservative wing of the American right decided to have an infight last weekend over whether or not you can buy a baby. This was the surrogacy debate reignited again, and it's opened an interesting fissure between the libertarian and liberal side who think that the free exchange of goods and services extends to babies, and then the Christian slash Christian nationalists who are going off the concept of, well, we shouldn't ask children to make sacrifices for what their prospective parents might want. And so I thought I'd just talk about this because it's an internal discourse, but it will be one of those fault lines along which the anti-woke coalition decides to fracture. I mean, we spoke about this before in our Rumble live stream about mm. James Lindsay and liberalism and Christian nationalism. But this is something that, and if you subscribe to the website for as little as five pounds a month, you can get lots of our premium content that we all discussed in our liberalism debate series. And I, I pulled up this part, not just for the amazing thumbnail of Josh's face superimposed over a nuclear explosion, but because we couldn't disentangle a contention here. And that is that liberalism's belief in progress, moral and technological, means that it doesn't really have an argument against the expansion of technologies that proclaim to be making human beings more free and equal, even if they have downsides. So this is the same thing for the gender debate, which we cannot get into because we're on YouTube. But this is also the same thing for surrogacy, where certain people cannot have children via lifestyle habits. Well, well I was going to say, they could if they um, adopted a different lifestyle. Yes, yes. They cannot have children biologically, and therefore... We have to say a different lifestyle because we can't just say the gay word? Well, yeah, we, but that is, that is true. <laughs> if like, they chose to have normal sex instead of butt sex, <laughs> they could have children. Yeah. Yeah, it was... I don't think that's a judgment either. I think that's fine to say. It's just. I mean, people did it back in the day. That, didn't Oscar Oscar Wilde had children? Didn't he? Sorry, you, so you're saying they should, they should lie back and think of men. <laughs> I mean, if it helps. Anyway, <laughs> point being, <laughs> juvenile. Uh, point being, they feel entitled to have all of law and technology bend over backwards to facilitate their desire to have children in spite of their sexual preferences. And this is something that people are objecting to because they're saying, actually, a child should not have to conform to your lifestyle. You should, if you want a child, change your personal ways because it has downsides for the children. Now, this all came about. What does that mean, though? Like the gay guy should stop being gay? No, it just means that if you're... If you're gay, you can't have kids. Well, yeah, biologically speaking, yes. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Just trying to understand. That's all right. No, no, we'll, we'll also go into some of the reasons why, but... So Guy Pearce, uh, Benson, sorry, who is a Fox News radio host, announced that the surrogate that he and his husband hired to the commissioned her to carry their baby like a gestational chamber had given birth. And there were lots of people celebrating this, like Tom Harwood and the like. And Katie Faust, who I'm, I'm speaking to soon, she works for us 
us, no, not, sorry, them before us, not us for them, it's a different group, which is a self-styled children's rights advocacy group. Uh, she she decided to really kick the hornet's nest with this one because she said, conservatives, kids, knees, mums and dads, stop trafficking children, don't erase women. Gay conservative pays for intentionally motherless baby conservatives. OMG, congratulations. You can see how these positions might not be reconciled within the American right. Don't think anyone's going to settle this anytime soon. So then a gay Newsmax contributor decided to wade in with a photo of a black woman who carried two gay men's children. And he made the following argument. This is human trafficking. No one is participating against their will. Babies are not for sale. Okay, so you're against adoption too. This is unnatural. Not everything that is natural is deemed morally right. It comes naturally to us to lie, cheat, and steal. Does that mean we should partake in that activity because it's natural? It's against God's plan. Religion is by far the weakest argument you can make when trying to take away people's rights. Pearl-clutching theocratic conservatives are what ruin our party. Regardless of what the internet mob says, I can't wait to eventually be a father and I will love that child better than most straight parents. Right. I'm going to skip over the religious arguments because we can leave that till a bit later because the Christian nationalists waded into this one. But the, the top one I just think is straw manning. No one is participating against their will. Okay. Even in hypothetical, totally consensual, non-monetarily coercive surrogacy, where the woman's really rich and just up for it, she wants to carry another baby. And both the gay parents want it. Is there a party here involved that might, when they grow up, have problems with this? I mean, let's be perfectly honest here. Anybody who knows anything about childbirth and pregnancy in women knows that the baby will have a problem with it anyway because one of the first things that happens as the baby is developing in the womb is it gets used to the mother's heartbeat and it gets used to the mother's voice. These two things are incredibly important for a child to be able to develop properly and not be under great immense stress when being born because being born, pretty traumatic for a thing to happen to anybody. You're being crushed out of a very small space when you were previously all nice and cozy and warm and amniotic fluid the whole time. And so one of the first things they encourage is skin-to-skin -skin contact with the mother and for the mother to speak to the baby because that is going to calm the baby down. That kind of bond is very, very important and not the sort of thing that you're going to get if you immediately take the baby away from the mother. Not to, not, not to uh, ignore the fact that the mother will also, having developed and carried a life within her for nine months, um, will have also developed an immense attachment a lot of the time Not just well. the attachment. And it's natural. It's, it's what you're biologically supposed to do. It's what your instincts kick in and tell you to do. When they've, when they've examined the bodies of women who have had children, they found DNA that's only possible to come from their babies still within their body, and they act like stem cells that slowly repair the mother's body over time. So she's literally still got traces of her baby within her. She's been flooded with hormones to keep herself connected to this child. And so both the child and the mother cannot rationalize away that connection on the grounds of, well, I consented to give the baby up. And, well, my mum decided to rationally consent to hand me over to these two new adoptive same-sex parents. That's just not how that works. You're, you're also risking uh, massively increased cortisol levels in the baby from a very young age, which is going to lead to developmental issues and also uh, emotional attachment issues as they get older. Yeah. That's one of the things um, they do these days, which is they tell you, back in the day, they used to tell you to let the babies cry because um, it was seen as over-coddling them. You might make them too dependent and not independent as they get older. They found that cortisol levels increase massively when you adopt that style of parenting, which actually makes them 
less independent when they get older. So you're supposed to avoid that kind of stress on the baby as much as possible because it leads to emotional issues. That persists throughout adolescence. It becomes the new bar for elevated cortisol levels throughout their teenage years. Josh and I covered this in our examination of how daycare is going to destroy the West. Because if you part an infant from their mother from the early years of childhood and hand them off to some state-funded employee who's got 15 other kids to look after, turns out the baby throughout their development feels really stressed and we wonder where all these mental illnesses are coming from. Not good. Also, babies are not for sale. Okay, you're against adoption too. No, I am against the purposeful commissioning and engineering of a child to grow up without their parents. Adoption is making the best of a tragic situation. Surrogacy is designing it so that a child will always be without one of their parents, particularly the biological mother. Not, not a good thing. Okay, that's it. Should, should, be, should be fairly simple. So this was another clip as well. I just wanted to play this because there is the more benevolent framing that the prior man tried to argue. These fellas are a couple. One of, one of the guys is from Made in Chelsea, which I've never watched. I had to look this up. Uh, and this is his husband. And they welcomed their son, Apollo Magnus Obi, and a daughter, Kazima Emily Becks, presumably named after their Skyrim characters, who they had via a surrogate, and uh, they were born prematurely at 31 weeks. So they were in neonatal intensive care for quite some time. So you can imagine that these kids might grow up to have some kind of issues. I really hope not, but a bit of a gamble. Um, just listen to how they talk about the woman that they paid to, to have their child. A little, little bit disturbing. How much does it cost? We probably spent a quarter of a million quid. It's the first time we, we were meant to go to America and then we couldn't because of COVID. So we ended up working with a <laughs> clinic in San Diego and we went to Mexico. I mean, we were slightly knobheads at this reason as well because I wanted to make sure that I, we knew who the egg donor was. I wanted them to be super fit. You go to the bar and you go, I'm going to procreate that person, right? You, that's you, your choice as a human. I wanted to find someone that I know is going to be absolute smoke show. Basically, we chose Emily Bratanowski. <laughs> so there's a company in LA, and they have a company that basically is supermodels who are Ivy League educated. So they have to have gone to like Brown, Columbia. Oh, no. Oh, oh, I went to Columbia. That feels a bit strange, is it not? Or no? It's a bit prostitute isn't it? Let's I go. think it's quite fabulous, but the eggs were terribly expensive, but we got a Brazilian supermodel. Okay, so somebody goes to Ivy League education. This is a presumption on my part, but I think it explains why they would be doing this in the first place. Is unable to find steady employment afterwards and figures, well, I've got good qualifications, so this is how I'm going to have to make money because otherwise I'm screwed. Yeah, it's financially predatory. They indebt you by going to school with really high American loans, and then they turn you into a gestational prostitute to pay them off. You right there, Callum? Yeah, I don't like this. It's grotesque, isn't it? This is really sick. Yeah, and this... For all the audience who don't share my religious proclivities, uh, Callum is in. Well, yeah, I'm an atheist. It's yeah. it's not it's not a question of religion. It's just why would you do any of this? Just generally, I know you want the kid to have your DNA, but like, what the hell, man? But that's it. It's a vanity project. They believe that despite their personal choices, they should still have the same equal outcomes to anyone else who didn't make those choices. Therefore, the law and technology should bend over backwards to facilitate their will. Why Whatever so- happens to the baby, be damned. I saw apparently where, because of the NHS, the British government is currently debating about whether or not we should pay gay guys to be able to do this. Which, I'm not really sure how that works, because let's say you got 100 gay guys. Gay man has a right to a woman's womb. Yeah, but let's, right to a child. let's say you got 100 gay guys and want a baby and 80 women who, can, who have even you know, signed up to do that. What happens to the last 20 gay guys? 
Like if you end up with a deficit, there can't be it. It gets worse every year. We're gonna. We start... could reintroduce the Coliseum. No, I just. <laughs> We're having tryouts. <laughs> if, if you start saying it's a right, like, well then there's a problem with all rights. So I don't want to get into that, but it's. But it ratchets up towards extra body de- gestation. It starts manufacturing consent for that baby factory pod thing that everyone was seeing. Do you remember that Carl showed you in the cyberpunk dystopia where it looks like the Matrix? Yeah, I mean, some people in the chat are like, why not just put it in a pod at this point? And if they could, yeah. I guess they would. But Because you need skin-to-skin contact and the baby's ability to, to listen to the No, let's say scientifically you could. Let's, let's just say we found some I way. somehow doubt that. No, but there's part wait of you until that... they can do womb transplants. I know, but let's just assume for a moment because that's the thing. Like, it's, it's not even about the, the relationships here. Is if you say, okay, we could magically put a baby in a pod and then birth them out and then the, the gay guys can have them, or even the straight couple. Something about you just thinks that's wrong, right? Yep, absolutely. It's mm-hmm. just kind of gross. Disgust sensitivity is an appropriate moral bulwark, actually. Oh, yeah, this is, this is why people point out the failure of consent-based morality and to head off, because I saw Auron got a load of people uh, shrieking at him over the weekend when he said as much. Consent-based morality does not mean that consent does not matter if you're criticizing it. Obviously, consent matters. The point of consent-based morality is it's this paradigm where everybody believes that just because two people agree to it means that it's a good thing, because on that, you can justify the German cannibal. Well, the guy he killed and ate agreed to it because he was suicidal. So therefore, it's perfectly moral. No, it's. I don't think it's or moral. Vosh. That's, that's the yeah, example Vosh is like used in my article people. for it. You got yeah. Vosh or whatever is like the horse wants it. I, just, I, I, don't, I don't care. You're disgusting for even doing it. I'm not interested. Do you want to spend your time uh, after you know that the German cannibal has eaten somebody? Do you want to spend your time with that person? Do you want to spend your time with Vorsch after you know he's been lusting after particularly particularly salacious horses? Is that what you want to do? Do Would you trust that person around your own children? This is the Jonathan Haidt example of uh, whether or not disgust is a moral foundation for you of where, okay, a man goes out and he buys a chicken. Nobody sees the man buy the chicken. Nobody sees the man cook the chicken. Nobody sees the man oh, having no, sex with the chicken. not this one. <laughs> Do you hate the man for having sex with the chicken? I mean, everyone consented, I, right? As, as soon as I find yeah, out. Hang on, he had sex with the cooked chicken. Yeah, no, yes. He cooked it and then had sex well, with the no, 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 chicken. The other way, you get salmonella, Callum. Don't be disgusted. No, no, of course, I thought, yeah. That would I, be thought weird. It, I thought <laughs> it's... <laughs> right, I don't, I don't want to linger on this too much, but I'm pretty sure it's he has sex with the chicken and then cleans it and then cooks it and eats it. Which one's worse? I, d- I don't think it really matters. You're splitting hairs, I think really. the chicken should be or dead. Or splitting chickens. I mean, well, yeah, the chicken's dead. He's just not cooked just it. Necrophilia. I wish I'd never brought up this example. <laughs> anyway, some other <laughs> sensible arguments against surrogacy that aren't about sleeping with chickens. Uh, I just thought I'd refer to Louise Perry on this, uh, especially because the, the reactionary feminists and Christians have a, an interesting overlap here, particularly because some of these women have had children, like Louise, so she knows exactly how this process doesn't just make a baby, it also makes a mother. She writes here, there remains a profound problem with surrogacy, even in its free range and organic form, as in the consent-based morality form. I love that framing. <laughs> but you let the mums roam free on yeah. the farm. Yeah, everyone's consenting, right? No. It deliberately breaks apart an essential human relationship, arguably the foundational human relationship. One typical guide for commissioning parents details the need to engineer an emotional transfer when a child is born by surrogacy. The handing over of baby is the whole point of the exercise, the act for which the surrogate is actually employed. And when she is separated from the baby that has lived inside her body for his or her entire existence, there is a risk, as the industry guide acknowledges, of psychological complications. In the UK, it is illegal for a dog breeder to permanently separate a puppy from its mother if it's under eight weeks old. But the surrogacy industry has no such limits placed on it. Do you ever think if you're having to write guidelines of how to brainwash a mother into 
happily handing over her newborn child to a couple of strangers. Do you ever think if you're writing out guidelines for how that works, you stop and think to yourself, am I a horrible person? Are we the baddies? Are we the baddies? This might be a moment for self-reflection. What were you giggling at? I was imagining if, uh, you know, well, it's bestiality to do it before. Okay, if you, you can do stop it being after. a child now, stop. No, I was, Callum, I was Callum, stop it. God, stop it. Callum, Callum, you're derailing. Callum, Callum, stop, stop, stop. Bit much. Bit I just much. want to see... Stop, 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 stop. Come on, come on. Right, anyway, so this ended up developing because Ben Zeisloft, who is a self-described Christian nationalist who used to work for the Daily Wire until he said some things about pride that got him in trouble, um, he pointed out that this is Guy Benson and also Dave Rubin, who is friends with a lot of people on the conservative right, did the same thing. Now, he framed it in Christian terms because he's a Christian nationalist, so of course he did. This this raised a, a lot of ire. Now, a lot of people might go, well, you know, don't, don't, don't attack Dave Rubin. He hasn't done anything wrong. There was a National Review article that contrasted his announcement with a statement from his, his book, Don't Burn This Book. And I just want to read a little passage here. It's a touching pronatal message, that is, until you read the section on abortion in Rubin's book where he reveals that he and his family had collectively decided that they would terminate the pregnancy if they discovered a severe disability. This immediately follows a paragraph affirming abortion as a right of women. Significantly, in all the talk of how heavy and difficult it would be for Rubin to abort his hypothetical disabled child, there is no mention of how the invisible woman carrying his child might feel or how she, too, might wrestle with the consequences for years to come. So not only are they trying to genetically design their child, like the prior gay couple, but also there's absolutely no mention of how the woman might emotionally react if the Rubens decided to tell her to terminate the child because it might come out with Down syndrome or all So something. pressure the woman, the mother, carrying the child into aborting the child because, oh, I'm not happy with it anymore. Well, there was a gay couple in California as well who commissioned a woman to have this done and she was willing to give birth to the baby prematurely, but it might have complications. And she said she had to because she had developed breast cancer and the chemotherapy might threaten the life of the child. And the gay couple said, no, we don't want our genetic material in something with disabilities, so you're going to have to kill it. It's just intensely harrowing. It, it sounds evil. It is. <laughs> it sounds pretty evil. Yeah. You've got to murder your baby. Why? We don't like it anymore. Yeah. That does sound a bit evil. But... Yeah, it sounds a little evil. Have you just considered that you might be being judgmental and that there's no problem here? Because, um, what's um... wrong with being judgmental? Well, when, whenever, whenever anybody says you're being judgmental, the, the best question to ask them is, why is that a bad thing? Because... I'm, I'm exercising judgment. That's a good thing. Because the people that want all of their desires met don't want to feel bad by you reminding them of doing something bad. But, but don't worry. feel bad for things. It makes them make better choices. But what if the woman involved just consented? What's the issue? You need to find better hills to die on so you stop losing, Harry. Did you know you're losing politically if women don't become gestational chambers and you don't abort disabled babies? Well, what's... Okay, if you want to label this conservative... Winning look like. Uh, I was going to say, may, maybe, maybe it is conservative in a sense because conservatives <laughs> yes. love to conserve the left. Yeah. Uh, yeah how, but... how is this moral? How is this... If you want to consider yourself right-wing, how is this remotely right-wing? This is... I don't care if it's right wing yeah. or conservative. It's just fucking evil. Just <laughs> yeah. listening to it. It's just oh, like, it's well, a good thing. But it, clearly evil. I don't care is, what perception you come from. The reason I decided to frame it as I did at the start. Standing over the altar. Look, the child said it's okay. <laughs> the mother consented. 
as the Aztecs say. Uh, the reason I decided to frame it this way is because there's a clear bifurcation, which I think is based on the American conservative tradition. And that is that the Americans are kind of conserving a propositional liberalism if they're not Christians. I don't think that this is what the founding fathers intended America no. to be Some <laughs> No, but if you take out the Christian building blocks of the Constitution, then it becomes a sort of consent-based, rights-based morality. And so if the material conditions of the time change, then you're going to have a pretty difficult argument not arguing for the positive rights if a thing can be done and it's natural now. So this is the contention in the conservative sphere. I like the idea that it's it's Amendment 1.5. We affirm the natural right of every gay man to buy a child off of a off of a poor, poverty-stricken woman. That's that's what the conservatives, the liberal Southern side, are arguing. Uh, oh. I don't know. <laughs> it came naturally. Um, if you oppose this, apparently, according to another gay conservative, Chad Felix Green, every so often social conservatives decide to have a good old-fashioned revival of 1980s family values. Well, we've moved 30 years. <laughs> yeah, only in the 1980s did they, did they care about, about this. Out of the ether, all of these white yeah. picket fences emerged. It's not, not like that's when the divorce rate started going up. Uh, this was an okay. explicit prank Sorry, of I... Reagan's policy, if I remember. Yes, yes, quite. Nothing to do with you being, you know, you want to be some gay guys, that's fine. You want to adopt a kid, that's fine. Like, they, all of that ground is already there. They literally just, should I be able to buy a baby? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe that's, maybe that's bad. Yeah, you would think so. But have you considered that you're just a moralizer? Because uh, Richard Hananya... Oh, my favorite. Yeah, you've been reading his book, haven't you? I, I, it was really boring. I still... <laughs> <laughs> right, well, that explains his tweets. Um, he I'm decided... sorry, he's not a good writer. There's a way to write detailed explanations of legal movements in a way that doesn't bore you to tears. So I'm only going to assume, because I haven't read his book, that he's not the brightest bulb on the planet because he writes all of his straw man arguments like a 13-year-old Reddit atheist. So... Here he says, imagine believing in a god that has this as his concern, like he's sitting in the clouds, reading scientific journals, getting angry that they invented IVF and now gays can have kids. Mad they found a loophole to subvert his plan and make parenting for straights only. Now, if Milton Satan had wrote that tweet, I might be able to believe it, because the entire point of that is rebelling against natural law and creation, to stick it to God. I mean, scientists also invented the nuclear bomb. Am I supposed to be happy about that? That was such a good thing. That well, it did uses that. the natural elements, and therefore it's natural, and therefore we should do it, and therefore it's okay. Okay, all right. No. There we go. Nope, nope. I know, mental position, but there you go. He also says, let me try to understand the social composition on reproductive issues. Abortion should be banned so poor people can be forced to give birth. Nobody forced them to have sex in the first place, unless, yeah. of course, you're talking about rape. But then once again, you think you've got to ask the question of there is now a third party involved, which is the child itself. Also, forced birth. Okay, where does the baby go? It's got to come out at some point. Can't just stay in there forever until it's like 14. And this seems like the sort of reasoning that leads to, what's his name from... Um, from the uh, the surfs when he was Lance on, on Timcast, yeah, fans yeah. from the from Timcast when he was saying that, well, um, when Tim said, well, if it's far enough along, the baby can survive out of the womb. Why do you have to kill it? And Lance just couldn't get that through his head that you can actually perform an emergency C-section to remove the baby without killing it. So past a certain point, abortion is completely unnecessary, even if the mother doesn't want the child, because you're still going to have to have surgery one way or the other to remove the baby from the body. But then he also said the mother can't take meth because that's intentionally harming the baby. It's a thoroughly confused worldview. Yeah. 
But IVF and surrogacy should also be banned to prevent smart and successful people from reproducing. Right, because smart and successful people, they can't figure out how to do it the old-fashioned way. Just lost the time. It's like the Library of Alexandria, bonking. So what they need to do is create uh, petri dish embryos and have them inserted into them via a turkey baster or something until they're good and ready. That makes perfect sense. That's a logical and, and coherent argument. He says the same thing. He actually brings up bio-Leninism, and he said that the Basically, nothing liberals believe is as in uh, is as bioleninist as the anti-surrogacy position. I mean, I don't, I don't, oh. I don't well, I, pe people yeah. who otherwise would be genetic dead ends. Uh, to put it bluntly, yep, um, bioleninism is right. Um, yes. I mean, basic. Well, bioleninism is dysgenics um, being put in positions of power. But yeah, people who wouldn't be able to procreate otherwise, taking advantage of unnatural means to have children. That they wouldn't have been able to prior to the Industrial Revolution. That's the definition of bioleninism. Yeah. But that's just stopping smart people having kids. Apparently. Yeah, I don't really follow that one at all. I, I also would just point them out to the celebrity women that use surrogates because they make money off their body, like the Kardashians. I don't think they're towering intellect. I think, I think that might be a, a, a touch of a, a weak argument. Wait, wait, some... where, did the Ka where did the Kardashians come into this? So, Khloe Kardashian a little while ago had a baby via surrogate. Like they've they've had lots of children via surrogate. So if he's saying that only the intelligent, this, let me let me guess, is this because they all have modeling careers? Yes. and don't want to ruin their model. Yeah. So it's nothing to do with their intellect. This this is the kind of celebrity women that are using it. So Hananya's argument that it's actually just stopping smart people from having babies. I don't think the Kardashians are the brightest bulbs on the planet. We're not even dealing with just homosexuality here. Like we're dealing yeah. with people who just want to buy a baby. Yes. Yeah. They're cosmetic and superficial, like the lowest common denominator pampered person. It's a vanity project. Yeah. So someone asked Tananya, um, what, what exactly is your moral foundation for all of this? Because he had an exchange with a woman who essentially lent on the idea of Margot Day, as in, like, you're, you're made in the image of God, therefore you have a bodily autonomy that is not, it, you've got to be grateful for it, you can't just do whatever you want with your body and defy that. And he was saying, okay, so you're falling back on religious dogma. And, and someone said, okay, well, her, her base is natural law, what's yours? And he said, utilitarianism plus liberty. Basically, that's not morality. <laughs> no, I, I, I want to be free. I want this thing. I want this thing despite the consequences. And therefore, all of civilization must be reformatted so each person can get the thing they want without relying on anyone, without caring if anyone gets hurt in the process. Very moral. Nice one, Richard. Excuse me if I don't have to listen to you. Anyway, um, or there was also some right wing podcast host who hosts Based Politics with a gay libertarian who wanted to sleep with Justin Trudeau, who decided to say, actually, uh, Ben Zeisloft, you can't judge anyone because Christianity is about free choice. And if you make laws prohibiting anything, it actually stops people from being Christians because you have to be free to be a Christian. So checkmate. No, maybe, maybe Catholics had it right on who should be allowed to interpret the Bible and who shouldn't. I mean, God damn. I, 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 and I, 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 I don't want to say I, 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 that felt dirty coming out, but you know. Oh, I just that's not worked either, in my opinion. But no, I suppose no. I suppose so. But well, um, they try and deliberately use your own framing and your own standards to make you concede to their position. Well, they also seem to take a moral, an absolutist stance on anything. Mm. Oh, you believe that freedom is good and that liberty is good? Well, you're going to have to believe that literally everything that can be vaguely defined as fr uh, free and liberty must be good. No, there are lines that we can draw in the sand based on common sense, which is that when things start to pass over into the realm of evil, that that's a bad thing. 
that's you know when, yeah. when when all of a sudden you start to draw up guidelines of how you can emotionally disconnect a mother from her newborn so that it can be handed off to random people, maybe maybe that's where I'm going to draw the line. Yeah, if you're deliberately stealing a mother from her child, you might be in the wrong. Is this, here. And you can apply this to other things. I say. Eating meat is a good thing. And then somebody goes, oh, so you should eat all of the meat in the world all yes. at once? No, because I would die. <laughs> There's a line that you can draw there. I heard that one before. But also, you don't, again, you don't even need to make a Christian argument for this. You can just say, okay, you are deliberately developmentally disadvantaging a child by robbing it from its parents. And the child cannot consent or cannot rationalize things. And a child actually, unlike an adult, has a positive right to being protected by the adults who created it. And crossing over into adulthood is when you lose those positive rights and start taking on responsibilities to people who are dependent. So you could just say, this is an evil and awful thing. But no, she just wants this consequence because she's obsessed with the idea of autonomy at all costs and therefore tries to bastardize Christian scripture in order to justify it. Um, ben just did a rebuttal here and he did a did a scripture-based rebuttal that you can read in your own time, but I think it boils down to a contention within the American conservative movement that you cannot reconcile based on all these principles. And this is one of the Christian nationalist guys, William Wolfe, that we actually covered when we did our mm. Christian nationalism conversation. He says, the debates over surrogacy and marriage come down to this. Either you believe Genesis 1, 28, so man and woman were made in the image of God, or you don't. This is a debate as a clash of worldviews, one in which mankind has been created by an infinitely wise God fashioned by his hand, etc., etc., versus one in which mankind can aspire to be his own God and use whatever technological means he dreams up to remake himself and reproduce himself according to his own designs and for whatever ends he sees fit. These are irreconcilable belief systems. The first leads to flourishing and death, the second to deformity, uh, flourishing in life, the second to deformity and death. And so I, I raise this because one, the anti-woke coalition is continually fractioning as the right gets more wins legislatively. And two, I think the Imago Dei position here, which I don't think the liberals and libertarians without Christianity as a dimension have an answer to, is stronger when combating things like surrogacy or transgenderism because the shore on which they stand to make their argument, the evidence, the science, can't be eroded by technology just getting better over time. You're screwing up your face. <laughs> Chat is being dirty. Right, lovely. Okay, well, ignore chat then. So I'll round that off with uh, deliberately designing a child to be deprived of their mother is evil and awful, and we should ban it, and there isn't a free market solution to this. Actually, there are higher principles than just freedom alone. Freedom is a process by which you pursue the good, and I don't think it's good to have a child grow up with his mother, just as it isn't without his father. So That's a grim subject. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I don't really know what to... Do with it because it is just utterly gross. Well, let's let's get some good news back on board as we go back from America to Britain, where only good things happen because we live in blimey, balmy Britain. Have you taken a look outside the window recently? Yes, and everything's absolutely balmy out there. It's so ridiculous. We live in such a we live in a stupid country. Yeah, we, we live do. in a very stupid country. We're going to go form Mike Graham there and be like, "It's mental. They've lost it. They've lost yeah, the bloody plot. <laughs> They've lost their marbles." I tell you. The left have gone absolutely bonkers. Yeah, you were at risk of getting there. I was, I was at risk of getting there. Um, but for something that isn't bonkers, you should watch our Politics of Skyrim video, which is doing quite well. That right was now. absolutely bonkers. Hold on. If there's ever a word where it's appropriate. This was a very sensible discussion between four very well-grounded and very uh, well-adjusted individuals who had a reasonable and rational discussion. Rory in particular showed, I think, his more thoughtful side. 
Yeah, the skooma really brought out the rationality. It really did. Uh, this was a really fun discussion that we had where you get to see me dressed up as an average windmill owner, Connor dressed up as some kind of druid, Josh dressed up in his Sunday best, and Rory dressed as a horse. Um, so if you're interested in that, we also talk about Skyrim in it. If you're interested in that, you can watch it on the website. Five pounds a month, you know the deal. Do it now. Sign up. Or else. That's not a legally actionable threat, by the way. But do it. Anyway, so uh, following on from the sort of thing that Callum was talking about, about Le Contract Social, there's been another addition made to Le Contract Social, oh, which is if you are foreign and in England, you will get out of prison early. <laughs> are you serious? Well, there's, there's some additions I need to make to that. I need to uh, flesh it out a little bit. Okay. But that's kind yeah, of... Yeah, wouldn't want to be weird, would we? No, we wouldn't want to be weird. There are, there, there's some, there's some uh, qualifiers to that. Is it because of the shortage of prison places? Uh, yes. So the Ministry of Justice has been reporting recently that they've almost run out of prison cells in autumn when the number of, square, uh, of spare places in the male jail estate fell to within 300 of its capacity. The number of prisons in England and Wales has risen by 6,000 since the start of 2023 to stand above 88,000, just 1,000 short of the maximum permitted level, and there are 10,500 foreign nationals in England and Welsh, uh, English and Welsh prisons. Over 10% of our prisoners are foreigners right. who shouldn't have been here in the first place. So according to far-right outlets like the US's database on global crime, we saw last year in one of the contemplations that I did with Josh and Dan that the UK is number one in Europe and number four in the world for crimes committed by people of foreign origin. Mm -hmm. So I know it's a mad idea. Could we just not import criminals? That's a good question. No, we have to for the economy. Right. The NHS won't survive without it. But we can deport them early if they're in prison, right. is the plan so far. This is the stated plan from the government. And as we know, the Tory government, when they say they'll do something, they definitely will do something. Or is it the other way around? No, it's definitely they will do this. So, so they're just going to let them all out early. Alex, Alex Chalk has said that it's a <sighs> deportation scheme saying it's right that foreign criminals are punished, but it cannot be right that some are sat in prison costing taxpayers £47,000 per year. Uh, when they could be deported. That's an, excellent uh, that's an excellent point. And I also say that foreign nationals in general shouldn't cost me far more than that by being able to come over here and get immediate benefits and social housing and be able to push wages down through illegal work. But that's a different subject, presumably. So under this scheme, overseas citizens can be freed from UK jails and deported to their homelands up to 18 months earlier than a British prisoner would be released if serving the same sentence. It means that if a British man and a Polish man run a drugs gang together and both get six-year sentences, the Britain would serve three years in jail, while the Pole would only serve one and a half years before being sent home. And when getting home, uh, he wouldn't have to serve time in Poland, but would be barred from returning to the UK. I like the choice of nationalities in this scheme that they've come up with here, because I doubt it's going to be... Damn Poles! Yeah, damn Poles coming over here, running our drugs rings. Question, mm -hmm. why does it take 18 months to fuel a plane? Because that's the only reason I would guess that's a good that question. they'd be in prison over here for 18 months rather than just deported immediately after walking out the court. I mean, we've learned from France's example, their amendment to Le Contract Social, you can just deport these people for being not supposed to be here, even if they've not technically committed any crimes, barring the crime of entering the country illegally. 
And when the ECHR says, no, think about the human rights, you can say made up. Made up. Not real. Not real. Bye. <laughs> Goodbye. Get out of our country. You can just do that. But no, instead they have to serve half of the prison term here. That's but a very good question. To pay for? Yes. Right. So people have been criticizing this, saying that the government has failed to produce any estimate of how many foreign national prisoners would be sent home earlier following the rule change or how many prison places would be freed up. Previously, the early removal scheme allowed releases of up to 12 months before the release date. It applies to foreign nationals serving fixed-term sentences of any length, including for violent or sexual offences, but excluding terrorism. We need to keep those in our prisons. Although, to be fair, if the agreement is that we release them early and then wherever we send them to, don't immediately have to put them in prison, I can see a little bit of logic to that, because you would just be releasing them early to traffic themselves back into the country and commit more terrorism. Or we could prevent them from getting back into the country. Or even better, we could follow the British government, uh, the British public's pre preference, which is, I think, upwards about 64% have just said deliver death penalty to convicted terrorists. That would clear out the prison pretty quickly. Have you thought about how the international community might react to such a thing, though? There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, which makes me want to do it a lot more. Well, that's true. But other me measures to tackle the prison capacity crisis include an 18-day early release scheme, a legal presumption that sentences of less than 12 months will be served in the community instead of in prison. So if you're sentenced to less than 12 months, well, congratulations, you get off scot-free. Congratulations, barely even a crime at this point. Just make sure to lead some old ladies across the road and you'll be fit as, fit as a fiddle. So grievous bodily harm, that's not a crime anymore, if you're foreign. If you're foreign and if you're, under, if you're about to be served under 12 months. Yeah. Just assault people. <laughs> just, just, just assault people. This is not people. legal advice. Uh, but, but it, it is, is legal. It, it is legal as stated by the British government. And uh, plans to rent prison cells abroad as well. So this is, this is the new... I always say we always get a new... There's a new line from Nick. <laughs> to, to, yeah, to foreign prison to the Albanian government <laughs> to rent out their prison cells to put Albanians in which yeah. trust me they'll stay there for five minutes maybe I mean if it's anything like Rwanda presumably we send hundreds of millions <laughs> of pounds <laughs> hundreds of million pounds to a foreign government and they don't actually do anything because we don't send them anyone once again so many economic treatises from a few hundred years ago or the mid-century and onwards didn't have to be this thick. They could have just been one page saying, import Africans. <laughs> that could have... And then line go up forever. Trust me, bro. It works. It just works. Judges have also been asked to bail newly convicted criminals awaiting sentence. There you go. The MOJ is also paying Albania... Eight million pounds to take up to 200 of their most dangerous prisoners, including 17 lifers who will complete their sentences in their home country jails. Would have been nice if they weren't here to begin with. Among those identified for return is Kochi Selamaj, 36, the murderer of Sabina Nessa, a 28-year-old school teacher. Why couldn't we just hang him? That's a, an excellent question. Why, also, why would it take so long to return him to Albania, considering we know Albania is a safe, if not very nice... We also have that colony of Kosovo we could just use. It's also full of Albanians. Just stick them yeah. all on Pitcairn. It's already a prison island. Not a bad idea. I don't know. We have Kosovo for something. I don't know what for. So, It's like a decoration. It's an accessory. 
just to annoy the sort. We we accessorize with our Kosovo colony. Uh, he was jailed for a minimum of 36 years for beating and strangling her to death in a park in southeast London. Once again, there's an easy way. If we're going to prison, imprison him for 36 years and then export him back to Albania, we could solve the problem permanently. Isn't it funny as well, as darkly comedic, I suppose, how the Sarah Everard case was round-the-clock coverage because he was a police officer that murdered and raped her. But this fella, the Sabina Nessa case, as soon as she went missing and they were looking for the guy, it was headline news as another case of male violence. Once we heard he was an Albanian criminal, dropped out the headlines. Curious that, isn't it? Always happens. Every single time. Although at least the CNN's editorial department will get some fun lightening up pictures if uh, they ever report on similar, similar events. So this man has so far only served two years, but it would mean the UK paying Albania £400,000 to imprison him for the remaining 34 years of his sentence. We're, we're, Why? We're literally paying them so that they'll imprison him for us. But thankfully, it would be a saving of £1.5 million because that's it would be cost £1.9 million if he remained in a UK jail. This whole thing is so absurd. You didn't have to be here in the first place. I know. We, we were joking earlier. We can't go into the details. But we were joking about making a film where the British government do go a bit insane. And um, the, the whole. And become the government that The Guardian thinks they are. Yeah. And, and the joke was that even if we tried, this whole country would still end up buggering it up somehow completely. And it's just so perfect. Like, mm. hey, what if we deport this guy to a foreign prison after he murders one of our, our people? And then we also pay them for it. As, but as... somehow that would still be a saving. Because the UK government knocks on Albania's door and goes, L- "Listen, this is this guy is from here. Like, do you mind taking him back?" They go, "No, oh, he's a member of my family. Of course not. No, but it's also no. like." And they go, "Okay, right, uh, fifty quid. No, <laughs> right, two hundred quid. No, what about four hundred grand? Maybe, uh, maybe." All, but all policy is made on purely material concerns. There's there's absolutely no consideration about what is just. What is wrong to inflict on the family grieving for Sabine and Nessa, having to pay taxes to then support this program? No, you should just hang him. That's the right thing to do. It's, it's, not, the, it's not about economic efficiency. It's that he deserves to die. That's it. And then close the borders yes. as well. That would be a good thing. But I think one of the reasons, and this is something everybody is aware of, but it's always important to, po- important to point out, uh, one of the reasons it's so difficult to get rid of these people and why even if there is a deportation scheme at half of the sentence being carried out that's planned, it'll never happen. It'll never happen because the government allows there to be legal sway with these insane and absurd NGOs whose their only existence is to make sure that illegal migrants stay in your country. Like right to remain, the name says it all. You can go down here and they've just got a checklist. How to stay in the country if you're about to be deported. You can contact your MP. Check if there are legal arguments. What do you mean, your MP? Yeah. What? Or campaign. <laughs> campaign the airline. Make sure the airline are harassed into knowing that if they actually deport anybody, that there will be consequences for them, so they refuse to deport anybody. Make every single Dino aware of how cheap EasyJet is so they book up all the tickets for that summer. I'm still there stuck you in go. contact your MP. You don't have an MP. You're a foreigner. Well, is that better or worse than being given advice from citizens' advice? when you are not a citizen on how to stay in the country illegally. Thank you, citizen's advice. Thank you, citizen's advice. Very cool. Very cool. If you're living illegally in the UK, you might be able to apply to make your stay legal. Brilliant. 
You can also get hope returning to your home country if you want to. But why would you want to do that? They're not going to give you free housing and free benefits. I love us being called a conspiracy theorist out that when we point out things like this when it's on their bloody webpage. Yep. And then maternity action, where if you've been refused asylum, but you happen to be pregnant, will make sure that you literally get financial support and housing. You can get in contact with us. That will be beneficial sort to that out. upwards of 90% fighting age males currently in the hotels. Yep, fantastic. Well, I mean, how are you, who are you to say they're male? That's very presumptuous of you. Or even that they're pregnant. It's pregnant people. Uh, pregnant people. I'm a male-presenting pregnant person. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I'm a time lord. <laughs> Have you got any proof of that? No. Okay. No, it's very, very racist. <laughs> Someone in the chat just goes, I am the MPNL. <laughs> <laughs> and then we could just look into the government statistics of how many people are detained or returned. Because there are some people, like myself, who have expressed some cynicism as to whether anybody will get deported. And some say, well, actually, in 2022, there were 3,860 enforced returns. Ignore that this year alone, we've had almost 29,000 people arrive on small boats, and that's small boats only. Last that's not, year it was 38,000. I think it was 48. Uh, sorry, sorry, last year it was 45,000. me, okay. That so 3,000 is a drop in the water. But then let's look at the handily provided government graphs about enforced r- returns. How many are being removed? How many are being sent home? Tell me, do you recognize a trend going on with these graphs? They're going down. They're going down. They're going down a lot. See, we have the absolute valley here around lockdowns. So that's kind of understandable. But since lockdowns, they've just decided, you know, why can't they stay? You know what? You guys, you guys toughed it out in lockdowns with us. We all had a pretty big mental health crisis during lockdowns. So congratulations. You've earned citizenship. They're relying on voluntary returns from criminals. Something about this immigration policy somehow doesn't seem right. Well, if you do voluntary, you get quite a lot of cash. So one of the guys I met in Afghanistan running the shop, he'd actually come all the way to the Netherlands, broken illegally to Europe, obviously. Mm. And um, then he offered to do the voluntary return scheme because they literally not only paid for his flights back to Afghanistan, but gave him two grand to start a business in Afghanistan, which is obviously like a lot of money over there. (laughs) So they gave him eight months wages to go and start a business. And he was like, sure. But is there anything stopping him when he gets home from then going back into Europe, going to a different country and doing the exact same thing? No. (laughs) Genius. Genius. And then who is it that's coming over our borders? Well, this was a recent report from a few weeks ago that I think you sent me, Connor. Yep. So thank you for that. Well, they come over on the small boats and we've got literal terrorists coming through. So this was a manhunt after six suspected terrorists landed in Britain, the foreign, foreign national have links to Islamist groups and are believed to be backed by terror paymasters in Iran. The radical group arrived in the UK illegally from northern France weeks ago after traveling across Europe from Syria. No problem. Probably taking the tourist scene tour like we saw in Le Contract Social. Yeah, maybe, maybe getting some photos at the Eiffel Tower, taking in some of the local cuisine and culture. Uh, security services are monitoring the movements of three of the fugitives, but the others, believed to be using fake identity documents, have disappeared. This arrival brings 25, uh, to 25 the number of terrorist suspects who have used smaller boats to enter Britain this year alone. This was also on a week where, if you go by the weekly small boats reporting statistics the government puts on the website, for most of those days they were saying zero. Now, a lot of people were saying, oh, that's because of the cold weather, nobody's crossing. 
I'm just starting to think they're just not bothering recording them at all. In all likelihood, because even if we do record them and they get here and immediately are put in an asylum claim, which means we can't deport them immediately for some reason, because made up international laws say that we can't, even though we could just say that's made up, I'm going to do it anyway. Um, and then they get refused. You would expect that if you get refused asylum in a country that you've broken into, that you would immediately be sent home. Well, no. It was nine in 10 back in 2020 stayed anyway. What, they just said we wanted to? What they, are you going to do about it? They, they, they just did. Figures released to The Guardian from the Oxford Migration Observatory show that 3,632 people who applied for asylum in 2020 were turned down and th 314 were returned. That means up to 91% of those refused asylum in the UK were free to remain in the UK compared with 81% in 2019. That was in 2020. Do you know how many enforced removals there were in 2021? 100. 113. So once again, continually goes down. And this is compared with 6,771 in 2010. And that was when I think that would have put the enforced removals above the net illegal migration that we were getting from the small boats at that time because it was nowhere near the crisis it is now. So they were higher on Tony Blair. We literally destroyed yep. our ability to deport people or we stopped bothering. It's not like we don't have the police. I mean, we do pay them, but they're just not doing it. They're just not actually arresting people for being here illegally and then sending them off to the Home Office to be deported. It's not happening. Yeah. And we're able to access the government statistics that they provide on how many foreign nationals are awaiting all of these uh, asylum claims. Uh, it's uh, as of June 2023, the total work in progress asylum caseload consisted of 215,500 cases. Of these, 180, uh, sorry, 138,000 cases are awaiting an initial decision. 5,100 were awaiting the outcome of an appeal and approximately 41,200 cases were subject to removal action, of which presumably 10% at most might actually get any action done on that. 40,000 people need to be deported. We're probably going to deport 300. And then the Home Office might just forget where they are. This is from four days ago. Thank you again, Connor, for sending me this. Home Office officials have admitted they do not know the whereabouts of more than 17,000 asylum seekers who claims have been discontinued. Sorry, we've just misplaced them. By the looks of it, they're all in Swindon, so you should come they fell, check. They fell down the back of the sofa. We literally paid for their housing. That we, we put them in a hotel room. It was as a number on the door. Went missing, bro. Just gone. They've, they've just gone. We knocked yep. and nobody answered, so they mustn't be there anymore. I love security. Yeah, the number emerges. MPs discussed Rishi Sunak's target to eliminate the asylum backlog by the end of the year. So just forgetting where they are, I suppose, is one way of removing that backlog. Oh, the numbers vanished. The magic numbers went away, so it's fixed. Problem solved, guys. In other Mission news, accomplished. you have new neighbors. <laughs> yeah. Courtesy of Serco, probably. Home office has withdrawn thousands of asylum applicants after claimants failed to respond. So the way that it works is that the, uh, the officials told the committee that claims are withdrawn if asylum seekers fail to respond to two successive caseworker interview requests or questionnaires. So all you need to do if you're an asylum seeker is not respond to those twice in a row and you vanish off of the system completely, is what that sounds like to me. Actually, sounds pretty easy to be an international man of mystery. <laughs> Just as long as you don't respond to the government letter, then we'll send you a very strongly worded letter and then a follow-up to that very strongly worded letter and then we'll let you off. Then we'll let you off completely. And don't worry, even if you do end up getting reported and somebody tries to enforce, uh, enforce you to be left, uh, to, to be deported from the country, um, 
all of these NGOs and a vast army of other ones will make sure that you are able to mount legal challenges to, provo- to avoid it, or maybe even just harass the airline that they're going to use to stop them from sending you off. Fantastic. We live in a serious country. I'm so glad. And uh, the only thing that I can produce as good news is that lots of Tories might quit. There are tons. That loads of them want to quit. Former and current cabinet ministers as well. It's like Alok Sharma, Ben Wallace, Sajid Javid. So what? Right, all that yeah. lot. So some of them are stating that they will, and I quote here, screw this for a game of soldiers. They're just going to up and leave because they hate the Tories. They hate being part of the Tories. Tories are useless. I would hate the Tories as well. Not that this is probably... Part of me is very cynical. Where it's just like, oh man, I'm, I'm not going to have a job later, so I won't get paid to do nothing. Okay. Well, no, ton- yeah. Tons of them are already standing down at the next election because they know they're going to get wiped out. Well, that's my point. It's like, well, I had this pretty sweet job where I promised to do things, did nothing for years, yep. 14 of them. And um, now that's coming to an end. Damn. It's like, yeah, that just makes me hate you even more. Yeah, you've, you've got a golden parachute straight into Goldman Sachs and the UN. Thank you so much for ruining the country and then getting rich doing so. So uh, nothing will be solved, nothing has been solved, and I'm very, very cynical that anybody will actually get deported, except maybe two, who will probably accidentally turn out to be British nationals. doesn't have to be this way. Literally solve it tomorrow if we wanted. But on that note, I suppose it's time to go to the video comments. One thing I have to give Poland is they got their own victim narrative down. Here in Krakow, you can't walk two steps without walking into some monument about the Nazis or the Soviets or the Mongols or what came even before that. It's everywhere and they're still laying flowers out at graves of people who died 200 years ago. It's everywhere. And of course, all the history is true, but the fact that the monuments are just everywhere and they really really drive this in hard <laughs> uh, it's kind of funny yeah i don't know if there's any negative effects but you're completely right but again it is true it's like, literally the victim of all of history is poland mm. until like what 90s i don't really see any negative effects from that just because it raises a kind of cultural consciousness that is probably part of the reason why they're keeping so many dangerous foreigners out maybe I mean, they are lacking on it now. So, 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 it won't work. so right now we don't have any... We've got one written comment on the website because there's some issues. So they've advised that we take a look at the, um, at the live chat. And I did find it funny because Sophie's mentioned this before, uh, but I'm looking at the live chat for the first time while one of her videos comments come up. And there are actually simps for <laughs> Stop thirsting, boys. Stop it. Leave Sophie alone. Let's go to the next video comment. I enjoyed Josh's vegan debate. Um, I'm glad that not much time was spent on nutrition, as I think that's the wrong argument to make. Uh, to me, it's it's a bit like saying that communism is bad because it doesn't work, rather than the moral argument that property rights are good and righteous. All right, well, I wasn't involved. So. I've not listened to it yet, but it should be it should be fun. I, I saw a lot of the comments on it, um, and as far as I could tell, nobody was agreeing with the vegan guy, but. He was very nice. He was very pleasant when he came in, and he didn't seem like one of those kinds of vegans. So I think it's harder to make a moral argument for eating meat beyond the nutritional argument because morality doesn't necessarily extend to animals. It's just more about subjective cruelty. Like you shouldn't do halal and kosher slaughter because it's cruel and unnecessary to the animals, but eating them is fine. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it's everyone. Yeah. Like the, the UK and European standard is bolt gun in the head, and then we can slap their throats. 
Yeah. Also, it, it, it tastes better if they weren't incredibly stressed right before they died. Is that true or not? Uh, yeah, it causes um, signals to be sent throughout the body that end up tensing all the muscles up so it's not as tender. I don't know. Okay. And the next one. You know, I've, I've really spent a lot of time reading their philosophy because they're actually really bad at articulating it. Guys, I don't think the conservative vision can really be articulated in words, to be honest. The best artistic representation is this. I realize <laughs> this is fan art, but it's the best representation of the conservative vision I've ever been able to find. Yeah, you could just find a photo of a dad a, with his a kids. family. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't have to be Legend of Zelda related, you no, damn I, nerd. I, I will say, I think that, that McDonald's advert. Yeah, he is, he is on to something. I agree with got, that. Got them in a lot of trouble. Take the McDonald's out of that and just have the family that's wholesome sharing a meal together. That's pretty good. I, I agree that the conservatism is more of a, well, right-wing politics in general is more of a, an intuitive thing, although I think you can articulate it pretty well. Um, but I think it's articulated visually for me best with that heat map of conservative right-wingers versus liberals and who their preferences are towards. Conservatives was all the way towards you know their family, the people that they know whereas liberals preferred the company of complete strangers, foreigners, and animals. I thought you were going to see the heat map of, uh, of drill rappers. No! <laughs> oh, yeah, they, I, I thought you were going to bring not, that up. That's not, that is an argument for conservatism, that's frankly. Not, that's not even a heat map. That's just a map of here's where we are. Yeah. And also, would you like to listen to my songs where I'm committing, admitting to the crimes that I have committed recently, which is actually supposedly being used now as evidence in the trials against them, which they are probably going to start saying is racist. It's racist to use the evidence of me admitting to that murder I did. I think it's actually important, though, that we do verbally and through writing articulate the conservative vision because we have been so deracinated and distanced from those sort of instincts, be it because of deliberate subversion or just kind of hands-off boomer and Gen X parenting, that the only way out is through. You've got a whole generation of people that are now kind of wearing it as a rational skin suit until it feels intuitive. So there is an argument to be made for the kinds of consciousness raising stuff that we're forced to do. Because otherwise, who else is going to tell people how to live a nice life? I would take it back though. I think Craig might be on something with the, the artistic stuff because I'm thinking of the, not GWR, but you know the old uh, adverts of like, hey, take the train, move out of London. Oh, they got turned into the suburbs. Mm. Those, those posters. And the, someone did redo a bunch with the AI stuff to make a bunch of like Anglo-futurism. And a bunch of them were just like a dad and a wife with some kids and stuff. They're definitely in front of to... their their floating neon castle. N no, <laughs> instead it was just you know beautiful fields and British countryside. There, there is something about artistic stuff that is somewhat more appealing than, than the reality. Well, I think that's why probably just because it's so hard to get into reality. Right? I think that's why someone like Roger Scruton is seen as such a spoke, uh, convincing spokesperson for a lot of conservatism because a lot of what he focused on was art and beauty, and that's what he spoke a lot on. And it is quite inspiring. Did you just make the conservative case for the metaverse? No. I mean, you just said it's so hard to achieve in reality. No, he made the conservative case for Anglo-futurism. Yeah, for the cool art, like the famous five. Yeah, but if it's okay, but if it's so hard to achieve in reality, then what would what would be the argument against just plugging yourself into the metaverse and living it out vicariously? I didn't mean any of that. I, I just meant that. That's it not looks what you're cool. saying. I'm saying I'm saying it's a logical extension. I'm not saying that you are deliberately saying. Don't worry. Don't worry. I don't think it is. I like this art. You want to live in the metaverse. I want to, I want to terraform Mars and colonize it and create gigantic England. The entire planet can be gigantic England where English people can go and have quaint families on giant fields that they have a north. 
It's, it's all going to be north. Okay. <laughs> Even the, the south in, is the north. The entirety of Mars will be the new north of England, and we can live in peace away from you soft southerners and Irishmen, both of you. That's never going to go away, is it? As long as I've known you, you've been the same way. Okay. <laughs> all right. I don't good. even have anything against the Irish. <laughs> Let's go to the next one. You have successfully snuck into the capital of Pakistonia undetected. What do you do now? I'm really not sure about this idea, Callum. Yeah, me neither. What are we even looking for? Just trust me. We need to find out what is causing the invaders to flee their homeland. They already told us. They want to seize my booty all for themselves. Phrasing. There must be more to it than that. Come on, we need to meet with my contact. Roll a perception check. 18. That'll do. You? I thought you were dead. Hello, boys. <laughs> for God's sake. Yeah. Yeah, the man um, will never How die. many parts are we on with this? What now? a twist. I think eight. Well, but I, I love this series, I'll be honest. And um I did speak to Mars yesterday. I think he, he should be about now or tomorrow in Afghanistan again. So um good luck, son. Is he going back for the gold trade? Yeah, of course. Well he did tell us, so oh, yeah. <laughs> it's um a bit mad, but hey ho, that's him. Let's go to the next one. Whoa, noise warning. I'm walking here. I'm Julian DeLuca, former Mafia enforcer, CIA operative, and now Oyabun of one of the most powerful criminal families in Japan. And that bozo is New York City hospitality. But I'm not here to mock this city. I'm here to tell you about Mafioso Samurai, a ride through a gripping fusion of action thriller, crime fiction, romance, drama. Check it out. Self-published on Kindle. <laughs> I thought to myself, wait, this is an ad. Yeah, I'm waiting for the sponsored post to come up. Thank you to our sponsors. You make it all worthwhile. Yeah. Speaking of which. This video comment was brought to you by Raid Shadow Legends. Oh, Mafioso Samurai there. Uh, we have uh, a donation on Rumble. This is the, the one comment that has made it through because of the uh, problems. Is uh, a guy saying, make it snow in here for free speech for 25 bucks. So thank you to Sagwin's Sad Wings region. But otherwise, I suppose um, we'll try and read some of the chat, I guess, and and, and that'll have to be. We, we have three. What we, can use. we have three comments. We have three comments. Wow! Oh, open, super, open the gifts. Super popular today. So you and Bakers, as well in comparison, a guy from oh, this is a really depressing one, but I'll read it anyway. A guy from where I lived raped an eighteen-year-old girl and got eighteen years. Sorry to hear that. What he did was horrible. But the terrorist in Ireland got eleven years for stabbing kids. Once again. I don't think there really needs to be any quibbling over who should get more years. Kill them. Did you, Hang them did both. Did you hear about the German gang rape story that Carl will undoubtedly cover later in the week, probably, which is nine migrants gang raped a young German girl. The lawyer argued they did it because they had high levels of testosterone and only one of them got prosecuted for it. Yeah. Well, it was worse than them just arguing then for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> He, he argued that they had to take out their rage after all the migration they've been doing. Just, all of the sightseeing they've been doing. Yeah, man, oh, man, I was on that bus for so long, I got rape a girl. Like, that's, that's sincerely your argument. Paris, court, Paris was really disappointing and full of rats. Let's go sexually assault people. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Bleach Demon said, Criminals are our strength. Think of the poor criminals fleeing the scourges of their country of origin where they are unable to practice their profession freely and safely. Yeah, that's right. Captain Charlie the Beagle. In Ireland, we had two gay celebrities that went for and documented their journey into surrogacy for TV. They even said themselves that they never saw the egg donor, but asked the doctor to pick the one he'd most like to date. They also will never reveal who the sperm donor was, 
This could be possibly because the renter womb they used was the sister, the sister of one of the men. Um, what so, the hell? So, and we're told we're bigots if we have any problems with it. So, what on earth? Dave Rubin was originally going to use his sister for, yeah, to impregnate her with his husband's sperm. You know that that decided against that for optics. I think. that disgusting feeling that you get in the pit of your stomach when you hear something like that was developed over millennia mm. of evolution for a good reason. So it of, often is good to trust that. <laughs> there is also a mother who is acting as the surrogate for her son and his wife's child in Utah. Oh, that's just gross. That is gross. Technological Game of Thrones. Thanks for that. Oh, somebody put Wincest? Question mark. Yeah. No, no. Speaking of disgusting things, I was actually looking up um, the, the punishment because I did have that thought in my head. Like if a guy... Did actually like the the question we were thinking about? If a guy raped a chicken, or he raped the chicken he cooked, I, I don't actually think there is a crime for raping a cooked chicken. Like I looked it up, there's bestiality, but that's not. It doesn't reach the definition because, of course, like you're actually just Jim from American Pie at that point. I've not watched American Pie. You not watched American Pie. I've seen, I've seen that scene from American Pie. Okay, but I've not actually make watched sense. the whole thing. I've not watched the whole thing all the way through because I looked at it even as even as a teenager. I went, that's way too American for me. Yeah, it's not fun. But I just, it gets to, like, I was looking at the, the punishment, the number of years, and it's like, what is it? For bestiality, it was like 10. For necrophilia, it's two. And then for rape, it's 15. Wait, hang and on. you just hear all of that. And you just think, no, death? What? But why? why yeah, are necrophilia, even, two. Why are they even different sentences? Why? Because one's dead. So. so? But you, yeah, your mind just goes, death. Just like, yeah. You deserve to die. You raped a, a, an animal or a dead one or a, a dead, dead human or a live human. I don't... Either way, that just... I don't want to be near you. Yeah. But you are actually a menace to society. There's no level of rehabilitation in the world that would make me want to sit next to you on the tube. Uh, anyway. Uh, Grant Gibson managed to have a comment <laughs> come through. <laughs> Sorry, ha Harry only watches American Pie for the raping of food. Yeah, that's what I did. <laughs> somebody suggested I put it on. I went, I, I know that somebody rapes a pie in it, so can we skip to that scene, skip the rest? That's, oh. That was exactly the conversation that was had. <laughs> I do wonder what you would do if you were dad in that situation. Um... Sorry, son. <laughs> I've failed you. But if he explains, no, 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 the guy told me at work, blah, blah, blah. Then I've raised a retard. I think you just, you just never speak of it again. I go, don't do that. Let's, we'll just tell your mother we ate it. It's, it's never too late to abandon your children at the side of a road. Okay. <laughs> anyway, but Grant says, the problem with Dave et al, who are doing this, is extremely difficult to convince something that is against their own interests. It's just awful. My wife told me last week that a friend of a friend had IVF to deliberately become a single mother. She was surprised at my reaction. It's horrible. Why would you... What, in, in the same way that taking a mother away from the baby is wrong, why would you deliberately take the father away from a baby? That's terrible. Yeah, I have seen guys... So, you know Jeff Younger, the fellow whose kid was kidnapped by his ex-wife to be taken to California to have genital surgery, um, and he tried to win custody over that. He was actually arguing with Katie Faust on Tim Carr, saying that surrogacy is a viable solution to father custody battles, which allows men to be single fathers if they're going MGTOW. And it's just like, right, this entire situation is just horrible, isn't it? Could we fix maybe the cultural problem between men and women rather than 
depriving an entire generation of children well, of one of their parents? Once again, the problem with a lot of this is that there is a gigantic industry behind a lot of it as well that serves to make a lot of people a lot of money. Soon I have, you can only order it from alternative sites now because uh, Amazon took it off, but it's not surrogacy, but I've got a book coming soon called um, The Transgender Industrial Complex. You could get it in Waterstones, but they took it off pretty quickly. Um, and that's talking all about all of the gigantic business networks that are built up between various companies who sell hormones, who produce the surgeries, who pioneer new surgeries and such, and how much money everybody is making off of it. Could you not just sell sex toys? Like, if you want to make money off sex, just do that. It's, it's rather than, what if I make a brave new world? But anyway, we're out of time. So um, if you'd like more, go and check out the website. Otherwise, we're back tomorrow at one o'clock. Thank you and goodbye. Thank you.